This is the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast, Episode 40. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is. It's a show focused about everything to do with fantasy books, fantasy authors, and anything else to do with fantasy, whether you're talking about swords and sorcery, epic fantasy, urban fantasy, anything else you can think of fantasy, we've got it here on the show having to do with the fantasy book world. And uh, I'm looking forward to bringing more and more of that to you in future episodes. So what have I been up to? Well, I've actually taken a small break this week. Um, I'm actually wedding venue shopping, of all things. Uh, My youngest daughter's getting married next year, and my wife and I have been traveling to Ohio all week to look at some of the places she likes for the wedding and reception. Um, Needless to say, I need to get cracking on the book writing thing again pretty quickly because, as I'm sure all of you know, weddings are not cheap. Uh, But I think we've uh, narrowed down our choices and are going to be dialing in a specific uh, venue and date here very soon. And that's kind of exciting. Uh, But like I said, it, it certainly lights a fire under me to make sure I'm getting good books out for everybody and getting them out in a timely fashion so that people can get what they want, which is a good, fun fantasy read. Anyway, um, I do have a new release coming up uh, in a week from today, and that's the launch of Cyber's Escape, book two in the Sapiens Run trilogy. If you haven't already checked it out, and there's still time to pick up your pre-order at the sale price, it will go up to regular price right after it releases, so you might want to take advantage of that. There's a link in the show notes if you want over at fantasy-focus.com under the podcast tab. As always, if you're interested in more information on what I'm up to, check out my fan group on Facebook. It's called Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers and over at my website and blog, jamiedavisbooks.com. Now let's go ahead and get into our guest for this episode. Today we have Andrea Lumen. She's on the show and uh, Andrea has a BA from the University of Minnesota where she studied playwriting, of all things. However, um, interestingly enough, she parlayed that into an interesting career in the U.S. Army, where she retired eventually as a U.S. intelligence officer. Currently, she lives with her husband and four children in New Brighton, Minnesota, and uh, she was happy enough to come on the show and chat with me. So let's check out this awesome interview I did with Andrea coming right up. Hi, Andrea. It's great to have you here on the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast. I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, Why don't you uh, give our audience an opportunity to hear a little bit more about you and introduce yourself? Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. My my name is Andrea Lumen. I'm a new author. I just finished my first book this past year called Missing Wings, um, Chronicles of the Irani Sagas. And before that, I had written some short stories. Um, I came to writing early in life and I studied playwriting at the University of Minnesota and this was my my first attempt at a novel which was a whole new experience for me yeah I just started reading it um and I've I've really enjoyed it so far it's and it's quite a rich world we'll talk a little bit more about that later on but um let's talk a little bit about you said you started writing early on um this something you've, you've always wanted to do yeah, I I was writing stories as a child, and I I spent a lot of time writing in junior high and high school, and 
kind of a funny, sad thread, a seventh grade English teacher that told me I could never be a writer when I had written a, a paper saying that was something I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was devastated, you know, because as a child, you really look up to your teachers. And so I, I like had to shift my focus, shift my mind to like, what else would I possibly want to do? And then in ninth grade, I, I had an English teacher and it just so happened it was a creative writing English class. And he told me after class one day and he's like, you know, I, I really think you've got something here with this whole writing thing. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not the best speller. And he goes, well, what do you think editors are for? And, you know, again, that's the mind of a child, like mind blown. Well, of course, why didn't I even think about that? So um, there's, there's good and bad in all professions. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I had the encouragement of a, of a teacher to move forward with that and to um, make it part of something that was part of my life. Well, no, and it, it's great to, um, to, to hear that because I think other people listening to this might, you know, need that same encouragement, you know, to think they may not think, I, I think people mistake tell storytelling and grammar. Yeah, I definitely. There's a big difference between the two things. Yeah. And, and a good and, storyteller can, can do a lot. And like, like he told you, editors can fix the grammar and the spelling. Yeah. And, it, you know, editing is its own amazing profession by itself as well. Like it definitely takes a special, you know, focused person with special talents to see these little things and to catch um, the structures of words and the structures of sentences. And um, I, I was diagnosed with dyslexia as a child. And so writing for me has always been a challenge. And um, it's, I, while I don't have that gift of an editor, I, I feel like I've always had, um, an actor story. So what drew you to fantasy as a genre? Is that just something you've always loved or is this something that this story has been kind of building within you for a long time? Yeah, I, I've grown up reading fantasy. It was my, my go-to genre. I was the, you know, the kid that would beg her mom to go to the store, like um, the local card store. So I could peruse the racks of fantasy novels and, um, I all the covers and uh, it was, it was great. I, I really enjoyed like Lloyd Alexander, um, C.S. Lewis, obviously the Narnia series growing up. Um, I grew up, my, my dad read the Hobbit to me when I was in fourth grade. I remember um, doing that with him. It was a special memory for me. So just, it's always been um, my, my favorite preferred genre. How did you come up with the idea for for the story you, you wrote, um, the, the Missing Wings Chronicles or Saga, um, the Chronicles of, um, I don't want to say, Arena Sargas? Yeah, um, I, it, it started slow. I, I, it's kind of funny, like the way I write or the way I interact with characters, I'll, I'll tend to like see the same scene or, or several different scenes kind of working together and there was just these two characters in this one particular scene that just would not go away in my mind you know I have a very active you know visual mind as a, as a writer and, and I'm like okay I gotta write this down so I started writing it down and then it, and then there was more and then there was more and so it just it it started from one particular scene between two characters and 
and then over the course of five years, um, I, I developed and I, I flushed out, um, an outline for the whole, an outline for the whole series, um, an outline for the next five books, cast book one. And, um, I'm halfway through the second book at this point. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It all came from that. I had to do it. I had to write it down, and and then I just knew I I had the story. It's, I, I think as any writer can kind of relate. Like you just know there's this one thing. I gotta keep doing it, and there's more to it. Kind of bursting out from within. Yes. <laughs> and and you know it, it it's I, as I've read into the story and started you know digging into it. it it's. Uh, it, it's set in a different kind of world with whole, a whole different race. You know, it's not that typical elves and dwarves and orcs and stuff kind of fantasy, which is nothing wrong with that. I write that kind of stuff too on occasion. Um, but this is really, you've, you've created a whole new place and, and a whole new set of races to go along with them. Yeah, it, it, it can be difficult because you, you have a different world and a different group of people. And then to also still make them relatable and make the culture relatable um, can be a hard thing to um, translate to the reader. And so it takes takes a lot of time to kind of figure that out. And I, I worked extensively with um, some beta readers. And then I, I had a manuscript editor that I worked with out of um, the Tucson, out of Tucson's editing department down there. And that they definitely helped me see like what, where I had to either provide more information or explain things more because what made sense to me understanding the fantasy world doesn't always translate well um, on paper. And having been someone who most of my experience is writing dialogue as a um, theater major, writing plays, um, the writing exposition was a, a new challenge for me. Um, as well as transition. So that was, it was a lot of work. That's, that's something <laughs> I struggle with. My, my first drafts are, you know, I do great with dialogue and I do, I, I do a pretty good job with action sequences and things like that. But, you know, I, I inevitably on my second and third pass, I am adding a lot more depth to the scenes and, and description and, and things to, to kind of bring the, the, the world around the characters to life because otherwise they're just like these two people in a black void. Right. Right. And, and it's a, it's a big shift for me because I, I actually wrote a lot of my plays for a black void. So I, I, I was somebody who didn't like to give um, directors. I didn't want to tell them how to stage a play. I wanted to give freedom to the actors, the directors, the, the people creating the visual um, piece of it, the freedom to do that. And and so I always wrote to a black box stage play. And and so it's funny to go from literally a black space, black box, to a full um, everything, showing everything, describing everything, um, place of a novel. So it was, it was a big leap for me as a writer. I'm really intrigued with the character of Katrina. Um, and, and I'm still trying to place her age, um, in the beginning of the book because it seems like she's not real little, but she's also not a fully grown adult either. But so, so I'm thinking teenish or early teens, tween age. Is that, is that correct? She's, she's 10. 10. She's 10 at the start of the book. 
Yep. Okay. Maybe I missed okay. that part. <laughs> I'm, I, I read no, fast, it's, so it's sometimes common. I skip over things like that. No, it's, it's, I, I get a lot of questions about um, for age from, from different readers. It's a, it's a common question, like, where, how old is she here and how old is she here? Um, because she does grow. She grows up during this, the, the whole book itself. Like you see her between the ages of 10 and like roughly 26. And so a lot happens to a person over that, that amount of time. And um, it, it, you get to see this horrifically um, traumatizing event that was traumatizing for her family as well as for herself. And then she goes from this traumatizing event to being completely removed from her family and her home. And um, then you get to see how she navigates coming back after being taken away and um, forced away for a long period of time. So um, the book deals with, you know, family conflict, interpersonal relationships, friendships, uh, talks about the connection of um, parent child versus the connection of friendship. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and when you're dealing with that much time, it, it gives you a lot of opportunity to look at those different things. No, it's fascinating to me. And, and like I said, I was really trying to place her age because I wanted to kind of uh, just that it, it's even that makes even more tra traumatizing. I know she was 10 at the beginning of this, this saga. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, my goodness, it's a traumatic event for anybody. But for a 10 year old, it, it makes a whole lot more sense to, to understand it from that perspective and to see the additional trauma that she undergoes in the beginning just to just as she's getting been getting taken away from her family and and into a new a new uh, setting and with new people who don't trust her and don't like her and um you know what 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 10 year old can even fathom that right exactly it's it, it's very <laughs> it, it's a lot to take in for anybody and then to have it from the perspective of a child is is even more startling at times and the importance of the scene where she does go through this traumatic event is that she witnesses it along with her siblings so her siblings are also traumatized by this and uh, I'm my goal is to write each um, book in this series from the perspective of one of these siblings and each of them was changed and or altered by this moment um, this tragedy that they go through and then you get to see how it, it affects um, their future and their life. So it's, it's interesting. Oh, wow. So we're not going to just you know, follow Katrina, but we're actually going to be looking at our siblings in each stage as well. Yeah. Yep. That, so it, it, you'll get to see how it affects um, the other siblings as well. That's later great. In, in subsequent books. And that's a different way to look at things. I mean, I, I, I have to say that's kind of fascinating because, you know, typically we take a character and we, we live with that character and we are we, we're living within that character or around that character throughout a series. And the concept of living within a, an event in a world and seeing it from these different perspectives is just fascinating to me. Yeah, so, and, and you'll get to see her again. So it's not like, the character is abandoned you and, and you and you might as you get further into the book you can kind of see how how important the siblings are um and and you get to know them through each other but it, it's it's interesting because then you'll see you know in the next book um the perspective is from the, 
her older brother. And so his, his take on everything. And then you still get to interact with these characters that you come to care about through the first book. So you, you know, but like you said, it's not just, you're staying with one point of view, you're shifting point of view, but you're still going to see the characters that you care about. No, that, that I just, I'm, I'm really enjoying the whole concept of it because it's different. And I think that's one of the things readers are going to just really latch onto with this series is, you know, they have engaging characters, but, oh, wait a minute, I get another engaging character and I'm already familiar with the world and the events that, that are focused on here, but I get to see it from a different way. And you're right. I mean, right from the very beginning, you see how Katrina is very attached to her siblings and they're attached to her. They're, you know, they all have a common father and, and they are just, you know, they are very closely associated with each other and, and depend on each other in, in those early parts of the book. Right. So no, that's great. And you said you're working on the working on the second one now. Um, what what's your plan for that as far as release? Are you looking to get it out this sometime before the end of this year, or is this something that might take a little longer? Well, it's always hard when I when I hit summer and I try to think of my goals for when I'm going to finish my current work in progress because I'm the mother of four and all of my children are still in school. And so summer hits and my kids are home and. Um, we leave to go on a, a road trip on Saturday. We're going camping for 12 days on our way out to Yellowstone and back with the rest of my um, older Girl Scout troop. So we're taking a chartered bus. And I, I would like to believe in my mind that I could potentially do some writing while I'm on this bus in charge of all these girls. But it's not going to happen. So I, I think that's I, a realistic ex- expectation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I, I'll be working on it more um, aggressively, probably mid July um, through August. So when I, when I'm not being interrupted, when I don't have mom, 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 um, I, I do pretty well, but I, I can't complain too much because I, I was writing missing wings like when I first started it all of my children were, were still at home they hadn't even really um, most of them hadn't, hadn't been in school yet and so uh, if, if any any writer can relate that the number of uh, who has a kid at home it's it's a, it's a juggle between writing and and being mom so um, I write early in the morning typically before my my children are up uh, before my family's awake and I get about two hours in and I, I do my, I, my brain is the most awake and, and refreshed in the morning. So some people are night owls. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm early in the morning. Um, I write in the mornings so. too. Uh, you know, and I think it just yeah. got in the habit when my kids were still in the house. Um, I started writing yep. when my youngest was in high school and I will have to yep. tell you that it doesn't get any better when they're home, even when they're older, because you know, I mean, even when the, the kids were still coming home from college in the summer and we're just around the house, it was just pandemonium. I could never get anything done. It was too much, too much stuff going on around me. So I completely yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a juggle. It's a real struggle sometimes. So, so yeah. I, I'm curious, you know, when you start writing, uh, you know, a story like this, do you, you said you had like a scene in mind between two characters. Do you consider yourself a character driven writer or do you like, really start with an overarching story and build down from there? The, the, that's a good question. I, I I definitely spend a lot of time um, with the characters 
and I, I really can't move a story forward until I understand the characters. And maybe this is just my background in theater um, and needing to understand um, where they're coming from, their, their motivations with make some tech. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I spent a lot of time with the characters themselves and um, the arguments that I was hearing, <laughs> it was an argument and then it was another scene um, was just very, very intense. And I, I wrote it down and, and all of a sudden it just kind of bloomed from there between um, the situation that they were um, discussing. And then um, the characters it inspired me as well. They were just really interesting. And I knew, I knew from the beginning that um, Katrina, the protagonist, had gone through something really traumatic early in life that she'd been removed from her family and that the goal was to get home. And so then I was trying to figure out where it was from there. And that's where the rest of the story came from. And um, I, after going through a really major uh, manuscript edit, I spent a lot of time going through... Um, detailing the scenes a little bit better, um, making them the structure a little stronger. And then from there, I, I was trying to fit in because in, by this point, my, my brain had moved into the overarching story that, that covers all of um, the books themselves. And, and I'm like, well, I should just pause and document this. And, and then that's what also flushed out the structure for the books that um, are to come. So. It was time well spent. Well, I, I don't think but it's it, ever it, wasted to build to build yeah. more into your characters at all. I, I don't think yeah. that. Um, I tend to discover my characters as I go after I've got a basic framework for them in my mind. But that that doesn't mean they aren't as fleshed out. It's just that I my mind has a picture of them and I discover things about them as I write, which is kind of fun. Um, but you yeah. know, it, it's something that I, I know people that like have to know, you know, what their favorite ice cream is before they can write about a character. And, and every author is different about that. I don't know if I go so far as ice cream, but because um, I, I still have the moments where, you know, the character will say something and I and I'm laughing myself at just, you know, what they said. It, it, so it's it's funny how that that happens as well, how it can be very organic. And then at times they still surprise you with things. Um, but yeah, I'm impressed with the, the people that go to that extreme where they're like, yeah, I know what they eat for breakfast and how they prefer their eggs. And, you know, but. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to crash on anybody else's process because no, no, no. every, I'm everybody's not, process. Not. No, I, I agree. But I mean, everybody's process is so different that, you know, when people ask me, give me writing advice, I'm like, you know, I can tell you what I do, but I can't tell you that right. that's going to work for you. It might. And then again, it might not. So I would ask 10 authors what they do and try a little bit of everything until you find the mix that works. Right. And I mean, when I get asked for advice, I'm like, you know what, read, read some good, you know, books on, on structure, on plotting, on timeline, you know, it's never going to hurt you to do some professional reading here and there. Um, throughout the year, you'll pick something up, something that you've known will finally kind of click and make you better. 
I, I know just from reading um, Stephen King's um, oh, on his, writing. On, his on writing book, yep. you know, it's a great book. And it, and it's so refreshing to know that, you know, he, you know, here's Stephen King, you know, has written this monstrosity catalog of all of these things and arrived a long time ago, but he still talks about, he continues to read, he continues to improve himself. He continues to write things down and he, and he has a very fluid process. And um, I, I'm one of those people that if you're not reading, are, can you really consider yourself a writer? Like you should be reading your genre. You should be up on um, what people are, what's entertaining um, within your genre right now. What's exciting within your genre, you know? Well, it's one right, of the reasons yeah. I do this podcast. I, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, I do this because I want to meet other authors and I want to find out what other authors are writing about and, and how they come to their their stories and, and, you know, all the ways that they're inspired because, you, you know, we all need to refill, yeah, the, refill the bucket from time to time. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. It, it, it's time well spent. And um, I, yeah, other writing advice is um, just keep going. You know, don't be daunted. If you're going to have bad days, you're going to have good days. Just got to keep going. And I, I meet people who also say, well, I have to wait for the muse. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you should just sit down and do it. <laughs> yeah, the muse, the muse is waiting for you. That's what I tell people. <laughs> right. Right. I, I agree. I, I, I'm always kind of like, I, I actually had a, a dental hygienist who she found out I was a writer. And she just goes into this big told me all about her her screenplay that she'd written and how she hasn't been writing and she's like well you know you know how it is you got to wait for your news and I just kind of looked at her because again I, I she has her hands in my mouth I can't say a whole lot anyway and and she goes oh no you're one of those that actually makes yourself right and I'm like uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but I really honestly believe that I think the creativity comes to you when you push through the barrier rather than that, rather than wait for the barrier to fall down by itself. At least that's my belief, you know, that, 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 that wall is there because you're about to discover something big and you've got to find the way to the other side, because when you get there, you're going to be really rewarded. I absolutely agree. 100%. So do you listen to music when you write? Is there a playlist that you use to get yourself in the mood for certain types of scenes? Um, tell us a little bit about that. I, I do listen to music when I write. I'm one of those random weird people that likes to hear, hear stuff while in the background. Um, I, I probably listened to at least three Coldplay albums, like must have released while I was writing Missing Wing. So there was a lot of cold bit play being played at any given time. <laughs> a big Coldplay fan. Um, I, I also have like if I if I have a specific inspire like song that inspires me, I'll just throw it into what I consider a writing playlist, and I just turn that. It's, it's over a hundred and some different songs at this point. It's it's pretty large. I say more than a hundred. It's, it's probably more like five hundred songs. Yeah, but um, when you shuffle it, it's fresh all the time, right? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's got yeah. like. I'm trying to think who else is in there. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Most recently, how about yeah, I can go to my most recent ads. That, that's interesting. Um, I just added 
um, Superstition by Young the Giants. I, I was watching a show on Hulu, and then there was a song. You know how you, you'll, like, hear the, the song in the background? And I'm like, what is that song that's playing in the background? And it it was Goodie Bag by Phil Woozy, and I had to actually search for the show in order to find the song. I couldn't even find it just through a random search. It was very strange. Um, and... I'm I'm scrolling. I I've been I've been listening to a lot of Twenty One Pilots. I don't necessarily listen to that while I'm writing, but I did go see the Trench. Um, I actually traveled with one of my best friends to Nebraska this last fall just to see their um, concert again because we'd seen it here, and my friend hadn't seen the entire concert. Well, she she hadn't really listened to the full album before we went to the concert. So we went to the concert. She really loved the concert. Goes home and for the next week, like obsesses over the album. And then she calls me and she's like, I'm really upset that I went to the concert before really getting into the album. And now I need to see them again. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go. Let's go do, let's go see them again. So we did. And um, it was really very fun. Um, there's actually a, if you know my book, um, the character Massey, and the song Morph from the um, Trench album, I, I kind of consider it almost his theme song. Like when I heard it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like like my character's anthem. Awesome. Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really that's yeah. really super cool. Like, I mean, I'm, I know authors that have like playlists for certain books. I, I tend to... Um, I tend to have like certain playlists for certain types of parts of my book. Like when I'm getting ready to write a big fight scene, like, you know, battle between armies or something, you know, I listen to a lot oh, of yeah. like Celtic fiddle music and that, you know, getting me into that. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going into the Braveheart theme or something, you know? And then I, I, yeah. I, te- I tend no, to, I, yep. it's just, it's just, you know, so you pull out a lot of things, but I love that you have like an anthem for one character. That's awesome. <laughs> Kind of funny. <laughs> well, it just it just says that you know everybody's process is different, and and the source that we find for our creativity to to imbue life into these characters comes from so many different places. Whether it's we we you know we base them on a, a trait of somebody we know, or maybe it's based upon um, you know uh, a parent or somebody, depending on you know, it, 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 whatever you're drawing from, but to, you know, to draw from music, to draw from film, to draw from a uh, characterization by a certain actor, all those things come together. And, and it's just really nice to hear somebody have, you know, something like that. Um, because I know, I know other authors who, who have like playlists, they kind of come up with that, like theme, like you get in movies where each character has their own theme that plays in the background when they show up. So. Yeah, yeah. My my friend Kate Quinn was talking about how she, I think she posted on Facebook recently. Um, um, she's written, um, but she was wrote the New York Times bestselling book, um, The Alice Network. And um, I saw her recently when she was in town. But she posted on Facebook how she buys a different fragrance for every book that she writes, and and how like the smell is associated with. Um, what she's writing at the time. And I thought that was really interesting. 
Well, and it's interesting you know, he similar. does that because the, the sense of smell is one of the, it's actually one, one of the senses that actually gets to the brain faster than some of the other sense than the other senses do. That's why it triggers memory yeah. so often. Smells can trigger memories very strongly. Um, and so it's interesting that she does that because that would certainly put her in the frame of mind to get right back into a story. Yeah. Yeah. So she can tell a story. She's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. That's great. So, I, you know, we're kind of winding down here, but I do want to ask you, you know, you talked about, you know, running into her. Um, did you tell me, you know, how you like to run into your readers? I mean, is there places you like to go or do you, do you, do you travel to cons? Do you go that, do that kind of thing? Or are you active? You talked about Facebook and some other things. Where, where can people reach out to you? I'm, I'm active on Facebook. It's probably the easiest way if somebody wants to interact with me that they could, if they are so inclined. I, I haven't really had a lot of um, interaction other than like through Goodreads and um, Facebook up until now. And it's, it's probably just because I'm a newly published author. Um, but I, I, I try to follow, um, try to keep it genuine. I try to follow like some of my other friends and mentors who have been doing this much longer than me and, you know, just be real, be myself. And um, so if you're interacting with me, I, I guarantee you <laughs> I'll be real and I'll be myself. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the books and authors fantasy podcast. I want to make sure you catch up with us online because that's where you're going to find a whole lot more from our whole community. Um, the fantasy focus communities can be found over on Facebook as well as over at fantasy-focus.com. Uh, leave a comment on this episode there. You just click the podcast link at the top of the page. You'll find all the episodes listed and you can just click on one and leave a comment there. Love to hear from you and uh, hear what you think of this episode with Andrea. Also on the website, uh, each podcast episode gives you the ability, the ability to subscribe to those episodes. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. That way you won't miss any of them. There are ways to subscribe no matter what your favorite mobile app or device is. Uh, just check out the links there right below the audio player at the top of each episode's page. We have some pretty awesome things coming up, so you don't want to miss them, including um, the next episode, which has the awesome Brett Boriso in the um episode coming up. So you want to make sure we check that out. Uh, he's a lot of fun and I really enjoyed chatting with him. That's it for this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook at Jamie Davis Books and at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where you can get a free book if you want. All you have to do is check out the newsletter sign up form on the right hand side of the main page. Whatever you do, though, subscribe to the podcast. Come back here and catch the next episode. And in the meantime, keep your eyes open out there, folks, because you're probably missing it, but there's magic all around you. <laughs>